The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I want to correct one thing. You said you've never been in club seats. You told me, or at least that we were going to sit in club seats from those tickets that you bought off eBay that time. You remember that? Yeah, this is Nate. Remember, you're like, oh, I got these amazing club tickets. Everything's included. As much food as you can eat. So we got there. I don't know. Was it December, November? Like we're wearing t-shirts, jeans, and it's freaking outside. The, like all all the club seats were. It had like an overhang. Yeah. Completely outside in the elements. No food. No nothing. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans. Welcome to your week two recap edition of the Circling the Wagons podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we have a ton of things to discuss in this episode where the Bills lost to the Chargers 31 to 20. A Bills player actually retired at halftime, and we end the show with a listener-submitted Buffalo Bills anthem. That's pretty badass, so you're going to want to check that out at the end. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts of the podcast and my high school buddies, Mike and John. Fellas, how's it going? Great. It's going great, Nate. Another loss in the season, the Bills starting 0-2, but that's all right. That's all right. It wasn't It wasn't as terrible. Um, they won the second half, Nate. <laughs> I was going to say, so let me, so let me start off by saying that heading into this game um, earlier this week, um, I, I think in a move that didn't really surprise many people, if you watch week one um, and you watch Nathan Peterman, Josh Allen was named the starter of this week um, against the Chargers. And um, like you guys out there, I was kind of looking forward to seeing what he brought to the Bills offense. And the first half was pretty rough. I think in general, the team was pretty bad. I mean, penalties, the way that the the offense couldn't move the ball, the offensive line wasn't getting any protection, and the running game wasn't doing anything, and then the defense again was just getting past. The, the, Philip Rivers was just having his way, just like Joe Flacco did the week before. Um, but like you said, it was a tale of two halves. The Bills, you know, came out in the second half like a, a whole new team, and maybe maybe we ended up finding out why. But um, but I mean, is that pretty much a consensus that you had then, John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, heading in the game, I was really just looking to see any improvement, which was, you know, 
should be easy considering last week, but especially Josh Allen and to see how he was going to play. What about you, Mike? The tale of two halves. Oh, Nate, it was hard not to, hard to watch the first half, um, but to see them turn it around when they're, when they're down so much, 28-6 at the half, to turn it into a game, into the fourth, you, th- you thought they had a chance. That I don't think we've seen that a lot from teams in years past. So I take a lot of positives, knowing what that team was going through, knowing it was Allen's first start, um, I think a lot of positives going forward. I think that was the biggest positive for sure was just Allen and, and how he looked in the second half. Now, obviously he looked like a rookie at times. There were some plays that I'm sure he'd like to have back some throws that were pretty errant. And even some of the throws where he found guys that were open, he kind of, they kind of had to make some twisting catches or, or whatever. But, you know, I mean, we've just been so devoid of, you know, QB talent for, for so long that we just wanted something just like progress, you know? And, and f- since last week, like John said, there was, there was, there was, you know, a lot of room for improvement there. So almost anything was, was going to be good. And the first half was, was pretty rough, but the second half, you know, it seemed like he just rallied the team around him and the defense just came to life all of a sudden, you know, the pass rush that had been basically continuing a trend from last season, which was non-existent. And he, especially last week, there was absolutely no pressure on Joe Flacco. And this week, you know, hey, I mean, it was a win just to have Phillip Rivers play the entire game. You know, he wasn't sat out in the beginning of the third quarter, right? Yeah, that is a plus. <laughs> so, John, I, let's have a little energy. Are you kidding? That second half, if that game was another two quarters, the Bills would have made it close. <laughs> if it went another four quarters, they would have had him. They had him on the ropes. It's just they ran out of time. Yes, well, so- maybe maybe not on the ropes, but <laughs> they were trending in the right direction. Well, well, no doubt. I mean, that they did what there was like ten nothing. If you just took the second half, right, in favor of Buffalo, Four- so they they definitely did something, right? Four- fourteen three, fourteen three in the second half. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. and they can just continue that into the next week. It'd be great. Yeah, and that was with a and Allen, like you you mentioned, Allen, like. Um, the pocket presence was good. The willingness to stand in there and take a hit um, above average already, I think. Um, certainly some accuracy issues, but no fumbles. How many other quarterbacks would we see back there and getting hit and stripped and guys trying to punch the ball out? And he he didn't cough it up at all. I thought it was encouraging, too. Yeah, how weird mm-hmm. was it to see a quarterback that the Bills have take a, a hit like that and not fall down immediately? Like, he was just... I mean, Tyrod was really good at evading, you know, pass rushers. But once he was hit, he was down. I mean, there was no like, you know, I mean, there was a point where that that one play where Melvin Ingram was was holding on to Josh Allen's waist, draped all over him, draped all yeah. over, him. and Josh Allen still had time to make a play. Mind you, it was an interception, but I mean, he still uh-huh. had a chance to throw. You know, regardless, regardless. <laughs> bright side i mean he could have thrown it out of bounds still you know maybe he will in the future but i mean that was a rookie play you know like that kind of pick that kind of i was just happy to see him stand in there like you said mike and not turtle and and you know worry about the you know that was that was one of the things when we had ej Manuel. i mean he was as big as josh allen but the guy played like he was you know five foot eight instead of six foot five you know like he just didn't i don't know he just he he doesn't have that he was afraid to pull the trigger josh allen is for whatever he is, he is not afraid to pull the trigger, which I kind of appreciate because 
you know, guess what? Whenever you give your receiver a chance to make a, a play like that long Zay Jones, that 57-yard pass, guess what? Sometimes the receiver makes a play. Zay Jones, what a joker. He tried his best to drop that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he does. He hasn't he hasn't helped himself since last season yet, has he? Jeez. Zay Jones went Zay Jones on that play. Oh man! Uh, but yeah, so he only it only could have been more Zay Jones if he did drop it. Oh, I know. But I know the the only other but Allen right like one touchdown, two picks. He had like two hundred forty five yards, right? And it can he can only trend up. Where I think with with that kind of stat line, you see that the ceiling with him in terms of moving the ball has got to be so much higher than it was with Tyrod, right? Because last year, Tyrod had three games out of 17, if you included the playoffs, um, where he surpassed Allen's total today of 245. Only three games, and he had zero games of 300 yards. We're going to see next week 300 yards out of Josh Allen. Mike, I love your enthusiasm, buddy. So there was obviously the huge news of Josh Allen starting his first game, which was really fun to watch, really cool to see him improve from the first half to the second half. And also, obviously, the defense playing. But the big news, the huge news that we didn't really even find out about until the game was over and in the locker room, but uh, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic um, tweeted out that Lorenzo Alexander said he was told Vontae Davis pulled himself out and retired at halftime. You've seen anything like that in your NFL Never career? have seen it ever. Pop Warner, high school, college, pros, never heard of it, never seen it. And it's just completely disrespectful when to he, uh, his teammates. Did he say anything to you? Did, did, did he say anybody did? He didn't say nothing to nobody. He left? When did yeah, he you know as much as I know. I know I found out going in the second half of the game. Uh, coming out, said they said he's not coming out, he retired. So. What? Yep. That's it. So, who said, uh, that? who said what? Who said he? Sean These said guys that. Guys on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, guys heard about it and said that he wasn't coming back out. And I mean, it's huge news. I mean, it was all over. It was like NFL.com. I was getting notifications from CBS Sports, NFL.com, Bleacher. I mean, Bleacher Report. Everyone was talking about it. And I mean, have you guys have you guys ever even heard of this happening, like to any other team or any other player? in the NFL since you guys have been following it? Not at halftime, that I, not that I recall. I don't know if I've heard about it, it after one game, like after a specific game in the middle of the season. It, it takes a special dedication to quitting to retire at halftime, I would say. Yeah, I don't think Vontae Davis could, could have a future in motivational speaking. When, when the going gets tough, quit. When life gets too hard, quit. When the game's tough and you're losing 28-6, to six, just quit. It makes you wonder what was he like when he was driving home? Was he listening to the game? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Did you guys see the statement? I know John texted it to us. Um, the statement where Vontae Davis apparently tweeted it out or whatever. Like he gave this explanation of what happened. And I'm just like, whatever. Like whatever your thoughts are, or your reasons are. Unless it was like, I, I, I'm trying to think. I can't even think of a good reason to quit or retire from your NFL career in the half after you had just gone through all of the preseason, all the offseason workouts and OTAs and training camp in the preseason games and the first game, which he was not active last game, by the way. So I don't know if this is a continuation. This behavior is a continuation from last week. But, I mean, it, it would have been better if he retired in the offseason. Then they could have found someone to replace him. Now they're screwed. 
you know, trying to find another starting cornerback, but don't give him any credit for doing that. And I know he, he, you know, gave some explanation about his family and all that, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know. I just, I think it's just, it's cowardly almost, you know? Yeah, completely agree. So on an interesting note, I saw a really, really good tweet from Prescott Rossi um, where he listed the Bills quitters power rankings. And, and I'm really trying to think of like another team like the Bills and they're our team and we love them, but man, do they have a lot of famous quitters on their, on their, uh, in their history books. So number one, so this is how he has it ranked. We could talk about the rankings real quick. He's number one, Vontae Davis. I don't know if it's just because it was in the middle of a game in the beginning of a season or what, because Vontae Davis, number one, number two, for Bills fans, Mike Malarkey, famous quitter, quit, you know, um, in the middle of his uh, head coaching contract after uh, Marv Levy became head coach, I believe, John? Um, or no, no, Marv Levy became GM. That's what I meant. GM, yeah. Yeah, I, re- I remember him leaving Malarkey. There was his number three is Kyle Orton, another guy who just decided to just hang up the cleats after one season of like a two year contract. I think he had, there was uh, the very fa- This, I think this one should have been higher is Doug Marone. You know, another, we have another, the other head coach that basically quit, you know, what was he? Was he one year? No, two years into his contract also. Right. Yeah. Some, yeah. And he quit as soon as the new ownership came through. Um, that one's, that one's still probably, that was probably the most, uh, that actually wasn't it, wasn't his retirement right after the Kyle Orton retirement. I think, I think one came in the other. And then number five, he has his Anquan Bolden, you know, retiring basically after the bill started trading people. I, I really can't think of another team where this many people just quit on, quit on that. It was just like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and this isn't like, um, Patrick Willis, you know, uh, retiring from the 49ers only like seven or eight years in being an all pro linebacker and just having a cr- career, but he was just, t- you know, worried about his concussion. So he ended in the off season. Like this was, <laughs> I don't know. It's, that's a special kind of quitting right there. I don't know. Maybe he saw that, that hit on Taiwan in the first half. And he's like, uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> not chance it anymore. Oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about um, that play real quick. Um, that was pretty scary. So in, in the, in the game, it was, so going back to the second half being amazing, I don't know if that was a re- result of Vontae Davis retiring or just, you know, some reason the team was just all fired up. They came out as a completely different team. And then in the third quarter, I think it was uh, Marcus Murphy, for some odd reason, doesn't call a fair catch. Um, even though the guy's bearing down on him, he's about to level him. And he does. The guy tackles him right away. And, um, um, Taiwan Jones recovers the ball in the end zone, tries to run out. His helmet gets ripped off. He keep, tries to keep running. He's fighting for yardage so that it's not a safety. And then he gets a helmet to, I guess, the face or the forehead because his helmet was ripped off. He, the other guy hits him with his helmet right into his forehead, and he just starts bleeding right there in the field. He has his hand. It was just like, I don't know. It was it was insane. I, I think that was a third quarter, though, so I'm not going to give Vontae Davis the benefit of the doubt on that one. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, um, that was in the third quarter, but that was a crazy call that ended up going in the bills favor. Not only was it not a safety based on the, the rules or the officials, but, um, it ended up being a touchback. And I think the bills actually got a, a penalty in their favor. Is that correct? A 15 yard on sportsman, like misconduct yeah. for the, for the other guy hitting Taiwan Jones in, in the face. Right. That play should have been blown dead. The second the helmet came off anyway, I'm not sure why they weren't 
blowing their whistles earlier. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they. I, I I guess they have to let it keep going. I don't know if there's a rule about that. I think there is. I think after I think um, was it Jason Witten the one year where his helmet came off and something happened a few years ago where that became a new thing. The second somebody's helmet comes off and the play's over. Oh, and the guy's like running with a ball sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. The ball carrier. Well, yeah. So, so maybe that's, that was it. Maybe they were whistling a dead and these guys keep hitting him. I don't know. But I mean, that ended up going in the, in the bill's favor. So, so we talked about general, you know, things that we saw in the game. Let's go over some stats and numbers of the game brought to you by um, our T public store. If you guys want some cool gear that you cannot find anywhere else on the internet, please check out tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. ctwpod is just like our Twitter handle, at ctwpod, which you guys should be following us too. It's always fun to tweet during the game and, you know, interact with you guys and kind of give our thoughts on the game. So um, Bills lost 31-20. to 20. At halftime, like we mentioned um, earlier, Mike brought up, they were down 28-6, to 6, but then ended up outscoring the Chargers 14-3 to 3 in the second half. Um, Josh Allen overall was 18 for 33, which is a 55% completion percentage. He had one touchdown, two interceptions. He had, uh, eight run rush attempts for 32 yards, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, so he definitely has that part of the game to him. Um, Philip Rivers was 23 for 27, 256 yards and three touchdowns. And LaShawn McCoy had a very, very, very pedestrian day, nine for 39. Um, and Zero touchdowns. So I th- I'm i not sure. I haven't seen an injury report on McCoy, but I know he left early with a rib injury possibly. I don't know what the extent of that is. I know Marcus Murphy played a lot of the second half. So um, so we'll just have to see about that and keep our tabs on that during the week. So uh, let's talk about some plays of the game that stood out to you. Um, one of the things, so, so I have a bunch. I mean, this was, you guys mentioned the Marcus Murphy fumble. Um, one thing, uh, Let's see. Man, there's so many of them. Um, Hughes uh, lines up in the neutral zone. Jerry Hughes lines up in the neutral zone on a critical would-be fourth down after a sack by the defense. And um, it turns out that the replay showed Russell Okung moving early, which actually, so it should have been a, a, a call on the offense for a false start. But the officials get that one wrong. That one kind of pissed me off. Um, did you see that one, John? Uh, yes. Yep. So what do you think of that one? That's, that's exactly how you saw it too, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I saw. Um, I saw there were a couple, couple calls during the game that I thought, um, went against the bills and shouldn't have. Right, so let me guess the next one you're going to talk about is Lorenzo Alexander sacking rivers. He strips the ball and the play is called dead, like way too early. Right. Right. Especially on the series before where like, Josh Allen is dragging the defender around for like a minute and a half. It seemed like, yeah. <laughs> and then for, and then when Rivers get, is getting sacked, it's like split second. Okay, blow the whistle. Yeah. So hold on, I'm looking for the um, the total sack count for the Chargers. The Chargers had three and a half, four, five sacks on the day. So there was a lot of times when Josh Allen was being being uh, taken down to the ground, and <laughs> yeah, not once was it really stopped. Because, you know, he was coming down. They didn't want him to, you know, get hurt or anything like that. I thought that was bullshit, to be quite honest. Mike, what'd you think? I think the difference with the Josh Allen play that you're talking about, he was still moving around, dragging the defenders. I thought with Philip Rivers, he got stood up and wrapped, and there wasn't anywhere for him to go. Except down, right? Except down, yeah. But it was like, the the 
whistle was blown while he was going down, I feel. <laughs> like, it wasn't like he was wrapped up and he was, okay, he's only going to get body slammed or, you know, someone. It just, it just seemed way too early, especially because it was a strip and because the Bills did recover it. And hey, let's while we're talking about that play, let's talk about that other play. There's a play where like a Bills player ripped the ball out of a San Diego Charger player's hand, and then like there's like five Bills players there and like one Charger player. Is, is it that play? Yes, yes, it was like Tyrell Williams or something like that. They stripped the ball out of his hands or something as he was. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, it was a fumble, and then they said that the Chargers recovered it even though the Bills came up with the ball or something. And it almost was confusing. At first, I thought the officials were ruling that the Bills had the ball. Yeah. They were, they ended up ruling that the Chargers had the ball, and then McDermott threw the challenge flag. But he didn't win it. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to go in your favor if you challenge that call, is it? I mean, they're never going to be like, well, let's look at the replay of the pile and figure out you know who actually recovered the ball. I, I'm just not sure how they determined the Chargers had the ball to begin with when the Bills player came out with the ball, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't get that. Unless there's something we didn't see and they like took it out at the last minute and ran up. But there's no reason why it should have been that way. I'd have to look at it. Again. I have to look at the tape, Nate. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Let us know what it what it what it looked like. <laughs> but yeah, there was there was you know there was a Jordan Mills penalty after uh, after a long Lashawn McCoy run. You know, luckily the second run that Lashawn McCoy had that was a really long one wasn't called back. I was looking for a penalty, but. You know, again, LeSean McCoy didn't have a great day again this week. Hopefully you guys don't have him on your fantasy team out there. There was the fact that we talked about Zay Jones uh, almost dropping that long pass that was thrown to him by Josh Allen as he was, you know, in the second half, Josh Allen had a lot more time in the pocket. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, it did seem like he had more time. Um, I think it was, I think, partly due to him moving around a little bit more. But it did seem like the offensive line did a little bit better job, too. Yeah, in the first half, it was just like a continuation of the Baltimore game. And then in the second half, like, he was getting time. I don't know what they did differently. I don't know if if the Chargers weren't bringing any blitzers. So it gave Josh Allen just a little bit more time to throw the ball. But, uh, I mean, one thing I will say for Josh Allen, which I hope he gets better at, it was a knock on him coming out of college, was that he holds on to the ball too long. He doesn't make decisions quickly. So I wouldn't say that he was like that all the game. I did notice though when he did have time, you know, he did he wasn't able to make quick decisions. But then again, they were showing some of those replays where they showed most of the field that uh, Josh Allen was looking at during some plays, like on the interception, and there was nobody open. Like there just wasn't. There were there were guys very close to whoever was running routes. So it was. <laughs> I mean, that, that might be on him, you know, or that might be the fact that really his guys just aren't open and he didn't want to take a chance. So um, Maybe he's not used to having very much time, so when he has it, he's like, oh, my gosh, what am I, what am I going to do all the time? <laughs> that was always Drew Bledsoe's problem back in the day because <laughs> his offensive line was terrible. When he actually got time, he'd actually throw more picks that, that way, you know? Felt like he had to throw it. <laughs> like, I should be throwing it right now. I just shouldn't have this much time. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, so after um, – after that play where Zay Jones had the long catch and, and run after the catch, there was um, Allen gets sacked on third and seven by Melvin Ingram um, because it was it was funny. And I don't know if you guys noticed in this replay, I tweeted about it. For some reason, Deion Dawkins, um, the supposedly the franchise left tackle, didn't block Melvin Ingram. Like Mel, Melvin Ingram just went completely unblocked. Instead, like Deion Dawkins started blocking the guy that like the left guard was also blocking. So they, instead of him covering the guy he should have, he double teamed some other guy. 
So Josh Allen gets sacked right away, like right off the bat. So um, that ended that drive. It was a very promising drive and ended up in three points. So um, it was encouraging to say the least, at least from Josh Allen's point of view from the second half game. I don't know if you guys saw, there were some clips on Twitter of him pumping up his guys on the sideline, which was awesome to see. You know, it's really good to see. I don't know if we saw a ton of that from past quarterbacks for the Bills, so that was awesome. Um, let's go into our segment where we talk about our Wall of Famer for the game, the Bills Wall of Famer, the guy that stood out, you know, even though the Bills lost 31-20. to 20, Who's somebody that uh, that you had in mind, John, that, that actually had a, had a decent game? I might go with the coaching staff on this uh, for the adjustments and the turnaround they did into the second half. Both um, Dable and McDermott. That's right, because you brought it before the podcast. Like McDermott was seen, I think this was tweeted out by Cover One or someone else that um, McDermott was actually calling the plays in the second half. Correct? I, I, I believe so, at least for the defense. Which is either not a good sign for Leslie Frazier, or is a great sign for the Bills if McDermott takes over those. I mean, how many times do we see those head coaches taking over play calling responsibilities, either either defensively or offensively? Right. Right. That's a good one. I like that one. I like that one. Second half, second half coaching by the Bills. Wall of Famer for for the Bills this game. What about you, Mike? Do you have a Wall of Famer for the Bills this week? It's it's Josh Allen, morning, noon, and night. Nate, rookie quarterback, his first game, right? Throwing a touchdown, 245 yards. The Bills went from the only team in the league not to score a touchdown last week to scoring 20 points. Um Really put it together in the second half. So 20 points, extrapolate from that. They're going to be, the sky's the limit next week. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. I, I just hope we continue to see some progress out of Josh Allen to the point where, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting, I know he's going to regress from week to week. You're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing growth half to half, Nate. I know. I know. I, know. I just want to see more. Not of even it. game to game, half to half. Mike, I'm just trying to temper expectations, man. <laughs> I just don't want people to think that it's exponentially going to get better so that by week four against the Packers, he's, you know, throwing more touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers. That's all. Well, it could get that better. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um, so <laughs> my wall of famer of the game is Lorenzo Alexander. Um, he, I think, had a great game. I think he was one of the better players last week. He was kind of like an unsung hero. The guy is one of the oldest um, players on the Buffalo Bills roster, but he's always, you always see him running down plays in, you know, that get to the secondary even. I mean, the guy is all out. I mean, he provides pass rush. I mean, the guy's just always, do you guys remember last year against the Bengals, like AJ Green had that uh, catch that was like a 40 yard catch. And he was the one that chased down that play to cause the, the fumble, like <laughs> just the guy has unbelievable drive, unbelievable effort. You know, he, he, he's, he's just a, just a pros pro. And, and he had a really good play. I believe, what am I trying to think? Oh, that sack on Philip rivers that almost went for a, a touchdown the other way. I mean, the guy is in, in Ryan Talbot from New York upstate pointed this out on Twitter. And, and, it, and he said, you know, Lorenzo Alexander is the best player the bills have had the first two weeks. And I, and I agree hundred percent. And I can't see how you'd find a, a better player than him the first two weeks. Um, let's go to the wall of Shamer for the game. John, John, I think I know who yours is going to be. Who's your wall of Shamer for today's Bills game? Uh, I, I think I got to go with Vontae Davis, right? <laughs> I don't think there's anyone else, right? I just, no. <laughs> just as uh, we've, we've gone into it already. 
pop like Lorenzo Alexander said, like Pop Warner, you ever see someone quit like that? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe a six-year-old at a T-ball game, you know, gets tired or whatever. I don't know. So so I actually had one before the whole Vontae Davis retirement and that whole weird thing. By the way, speaking of the retirement thing, the thing that sucks about when a guy re- retires, which we've seen happen twice so far this year with Eric Wood and Richie Incognito, is you're on the hook for all the guaranteed money. You know, I mean, we were already, but it sucks that, like, he only played two games, so he's only given two games worth of his salary. No, the Bills don't have any cap to any more cap to get more cornerbacks or other players. So that sucks. Anyway, um, my mine was going to be Andre Holmes just because I thought he had a pretty cruddy game. There was, there was, uh, not only did he miss a pass that hit him right in the, in the hands by Josh Allen. I don't know if Josh Allen just throw that throws that hard or Andre Holmes is that bad of a receiver, but he put it right in the numbers and he couldn't catch it. Um, there was a really good punt that ended up, uh, going down in the five yard line. And uh, for some reason, all the bills players were terrible at pass coverage or they couldn't get there and, and down the ball. The, the chargers really should have had the ball deep in their own end zone. And Andre Holmes was right there. And for some reason, didn't make a play there. So, uh, so very small in comparison to Vontae Davis, but he did not have a good game Andre Holmes. So I think, um, and one of the things I wanted to point out, um, I, I forgot to say earlier was that LaShawn McCoy is taking a lot, a lot of hits this season already more than he normally takes. He's one of those running backs that, that tries to avoid him. He'll either step out of bounds or he'll, you know, dive at the last moment or something. He always has been really good at avoiding contact. I think that's why he's as good as he is uh, for his age. But I mean, did you guys notice that he is just taking so many more hits? I mean, even when he does have a little bit of, of running room, I mean, he's just, but have you guys noticed that in the first two games? Yeah. I Well, I think, just the offense overall, like all, all their players are taking tons of hits. As soon as they touch the ball, they're the other teams all over them. Yeah. That's a trend that might be continuing on from past seasons. Yeah. So on the bright side of things, let's go to our bright side segment. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. Um, bright side of things, like Mike mentioned, Josh Allen's first game, although it wasn't pretty and there were some rookie moments for sure and some things. I mean, the guy, is a, he's a smart kid. I think he's going to learn from these mistakes that he's made. Um, some of those picks were, I think, easy things to adjust from and to fix from week to week. Um, the Bills did play two very good teams. I mean, what sucks about those two teams is if the Bills are vying for a wild card, which I don't think many of us are thinking wild card mike i know you're super optimistic are you thinking that we're even going to be in the mix for that yeah i am okay <laughs> well i mean if if they are then like the last two games really hurt them <laughs> for vying for it for just you know being oh too, crushing crushing to be two afc opponents that you know are probably playoff contenders but i don't um, think it matters i mean they go 14 and 2 then they're they're winning the division Great point, John. See, this is why this is the bright side segment. It's a lot the bright of- side segment, not the you're on <laughs> opium, John, segment. <laughs> no, he brought up a good point. Just John's not as vocal as you are. The opiate oh, segment. The opiate segment. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, add that to the list. So, yeah, so this team, I mean, if we see the same team next week that we saw in the second half of this game, like this is the same, that's the same team that we saw all of last year. I feel like, and and maybe that was a fire that they needed lit 
under them to get you know the season pointed in the right direction. So I'm not ready to write them up, write them off. I I know that my expectations have been lowered a little bit just because you know I I don't want to go in expecting playoffs and then you know them go four and twelve. But I mean they they. This might be the team that just needs to gel together. Maybe they needed to get rid of the Corey Coleman's and the Vontae Davis's off the team that just, you know, weren't buying into the into the culture and trusting the process. So the next game that we have is against the Minnesota Vikings next Sunday at 1 p.m. in Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings are 1-0-1 because they tied with the Packers this week. There should not be ties in the NFL. In today's day and age, can you think of anything more un-American? No. What is this, soccer? Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want ties in my football games. Like, how is there not like, a, a sudden death overtime? Just play till somebody scores. It's the easiest solution. Think of all the people that invest in the time to watch the game, the people that pay money to go. At that point, it'd be better to lose and have some sense of finality or conclusion like a tie it's terrible exactly exactly it's it's like it's like here's the conclusion of the game by default <laughs> like well you know i mean how come baseball you they'll play 33 innings if they have to baseball has figured out nothing but even they know not to end in a tie hockey has you know the the shootouts after the they have they'll have the overtime here and they'll have the shootouts you know, why can't the NFL do that? Why can't the NFL do, you know, the the overtime period of 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, and then also do, like, the shootout method of, like, the college football style or something, you know? Anything. Golf doesn't even have ties. Like, they'll play extra holes. <sighs> so frustrating. It's, like, one of the most un-American things that I can think of is time. Like, not having a distinguished winner or loser. So, so next week, uh, they'll have that. We actually, so before I, you know, end this, we have the Buffalo Bills anthem that uh, was sent to us by listener slash recording artist Dom Brown. You can follow him at Dom Brown underscore underscore, I believe it is. And uh, check it out there. Um, It's pretty cool. I like it. I hope you guys like it. So for signing off, for John. Go Bills, 14-2. and For Mike. Go Bills, the future is bright. And for me, Nate, I'm kind of buying that vibe, guys. I think the future is bright. Let's hope the second half of this game becomes the, uh, the next 14 games. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Go Bills. Hey, 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 let's go Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, we back. Speaking of 17, no more drought. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills make you want to shout. Trade day, trade day, making plays. That's John Murphy on the radio waves. Jordan Boy and Micah High all day. Bill collectors, all they do is take away. Harry Phillip, Tremaine Emmons, Charles Clay. KB, house money, we got Zay. Give it the shady, we can run all day. Yeah, Deion Dawkins, get defenders out the way. Hey. Kemper Gula, she the new 
president, red new era cap, make the bills great again. We gon' make it to the playoffs, we gon' make it to the bowl. Yeah, we gotta better leave every year, cause that's our goal. So we gotta make it happen. Shout it out to Brian Dable. If you come into a house, we put opponents through the table. We said bills, mafia. I said bills, mafia. I said bills, mafia. Go bills, mafia. Go bills, mafia. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.